everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple back with us. Frequent friend of the pod, our buddy Justin Toscano from the record. What's happening, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a new um, now on the Apple and the Simply Amazing pod for the for the a few times, but I think this is the first time I've been on the Apple version of, you know, the, the Simply Amazing pod. So it's uh, it's exciting, man. Thanks for having me. Dan, no, please. Our, pre- our pleasure and uh, oh, my pleasure. And yeah, the Apple is, uh, is taking off. Very excited with uh, with what's uh, what's happening so far. The support's been um, overwhelming, really. Just so cool. Yeah, man, you deserve it. Like it's a yeah, it's a cool new venture. And um, yeah, excited to talk some ball with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's an it's exciting time of year, man. Um, you know, we're recording Sunday afternoon and, you know, by Monday midday, we're going to have a uh, spring training, grapefruit league baseball kicking around. So, um, yeah, I guess, uh, Louis Rojas announced his pitchers for Monday. Um, we already knew Jordan Yamamoto was getting the nod on, well, I guess we found out he was getting the nod on Tuesday today, but, um, this jockeying for position and, and, you know, <sighs> kind of I- internal competition, um, it, it's, uh, it's, it's that good pressure that Louis Rojas was talking about early in the week. Um, the guys that we're going to see on Monday, I mean, you know, you can go down the list here and, you know, there's, uh, certainly some viable options to, to help out the big league team. Right. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think so personally. I mean, the one I'm going to be watching, I know, you know, there's some Harold Gonzalez, uh, hype out there on, on the social media channels, but I, I'm really interested to see how Sean Reed Foley is personally. I mean, got, you know, him and, in the Mats trade. And, um, you know, he's a guy with some experience, a guy who could theoretically help them uh, sooner, but also you have to think about a guy like, I mean, Thomas Zapucky. Um, you know, Jeremy Hefner said today that he's going to be built up as a starter because he's got three pitches with, you know, swing and miss capability, which if you, you know, you think about it is, is kind of the barometer, a good barometer for being a starter. And then you've got Steven Tarpley. I mean, that's a guy who's got a little bit of um, big league experience that, that could theoretically be some, some good depth for them. But I think um, when you look down this roster, the thing that stands out to me is just the depth really. Now you can look at the talent and of course, you know, everybody's going to point to the talent. They turned over nearly half of the 40 man, but um, especially in these spring training games, you're going to see a lot of this good depth that I think is um, better depth, especially, you know, in the rotation, in the bullpen than it really was a year ago. Oh, definitely. And even like, you know, I, I'm a big Hildenberger fan. I, we, we, we like, we like the side armors, um, love what we see there. And just to kind of talk about Tarpley for a second, um, you know, I like that the Mets are looking at metrics and saying, Oh, this is something we can work with. Cause Tarpley's got, I believe it's a slider, just a, 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 a phenomenal put away pitch. Um, you know, they were looking for a left-hander at the time. And I guess when they signed him, it's like, oh, well, this is our left-hander. No, nah, this is just another kind of, you know, weapon in the cachet. This is, um, I- I'm really, I'm very encouraged by the Tarpley signing. And yeah, I mean, these guys kind of going out there and and it's going to bring the best out of everybody, the whole internal competition. And, you know, even if you have guys who are on taxi squad type situations for the season, you know, that works too. Tarpley, get him some more, um, a little more experience, you know, even a guy like Sean Reed Foley, who, like you said, kind of a swing man, he can kind of do it all. Um, I'm very interested to see uh, Jacob Barnes. Uh, Louis spoke about him today a little bit talking. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Jeremy Hefner spoke a little bit about him on Sunday uh, regarding, uh, I guess, his uh, first impressions with him. Sam McWilliams talked. I mean, th- there's a lot of viable, you know, <laughs> it could be electric arms out there that could, uh, 
that could really prop this group up. Yeah, and it almost makes you um, sad to say this, but it almost makes you forget that they they traded Steven Matz because they do have a lot of this depth, a lot of these guys. You know, you could see like a Sam McWilliams, you could see him make an impact, a Sean Reed fully, even yeah, even a Steven Tarpley, um, even Jacob Barnes. I mean, these are guys. The important part is that these are guys, you know, excluding Sam McWilliams in this portion, but that have some experience to to some degree but it looks like New York is just trying to pull the best out of them to tap into that potential. And with, you know, technology metrics, analytics, things like that, um, a new focus on that, a beefed up R and D department um, and then player development department. It, it seems like this is a real solid opportunity for the Mets to turn a corner with some of these guys, which is only going to help. Look, I mean, you can never have, have too much pitching as, uh, as the old adage goes, we hear it all the time, but it's really it is true. It's going to be an interesting season in that regard, because for as much talent as the Mets have at the top of the staff, you know, with the rotation starting from Jacob DeGrom on down, they've got a lot of interesting depth pieces that will be, you know, kind of intriguing to follow as the season goes on, even, you know, even through the minor league levels. I mean, there's a, there is a ton of competition there that, um, you know, that should only make them better, but it's like, They've got, I just feel like they've got more quality coverage on their pitching staff than they did a year ago. And it's really not close. Oh, I think they've got more depth than, you know, most fans can recall seeing in a very long time. And it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's depth that's actually going to show up and, and give you, uh, you know, give a fan a a glimpse of hope when they really need it. Like, Oh, Hey, you know, we, we need Yamamoto to make stops a spot start. And uh, you know, by the time he does make that spot start, Hefner and Ricardo and the rest of the pitching staff, Ricky Meinhold, what's up, Ricky? <laughs> they're going to, um, you know, they, like you were saying, they're going to find these little quirks or these little advantages that they can have or, or just their strengths. And they're going to build off that. Like Yamamoto, his his metrics on his curve are just um nasty. He's got the ability, uh, you know, at least in my amateur point of view, to um to really be a difference maker. And I think that him, Lucchese, uh, you know, all that depth is just going to, it's going to suit this roster so well. And that's even on the other side of the chalk. But um, I had a question about Sam McWilliams. I'm not sure if anybody said anything. I know he's slotted in as a starter in the past. They have ideas for the bullpen for him. Yes. Yeah. I think right now, especially because he's got a, um, a major league deal from them and he slots pretty well into the bullpen. He kind of talked about, that role today, you know, I was trying to find the quote cause I was, I was looking for it earlier. Um, but yeah, they've got, they've got bullpen plans for him. I mean, he he could be a guy that could compete for a spot in that bullpen. He should, I mean, the way it plays, he's, you know, he's six, seven, two thirty, And like, I think, you know, you tweeted some rise on that, that fastball. And <laughs> if his fastballs already touching um, 95 here in the first couple live BPs, he hopes that's going to tick up a bit. Um, but I mean, that's something that really, that really could play in, in the bullpen. I know that he said that, you know, moving to the bullpen in 2020, you know, for the alternate site was, um, was kind of, you know, beneficial just because mentally coming out of it, it helped him be, you know, just a little more aggressive in filling up the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think that's important for a guy like that, a guy who's been a career minor leaguer. I mean, if you, if you start him there, or at least, you know, 
it, that's not to say you can't stretch him out in the future if need be, but with the way the organization is going and the pieces it currently has, I think, you know, the plan is for him to, to be a bullpen guy. I think he slots much better there in terms of maximizing his own opportunity to get to the big leagues. Oh, definitely. And I think you can kind of look at that. Look at, I mean, some of the guys we just mentioned, the Yamamoto's, the Lucchese's, um, you know, guys who have traditionally been starters or, or even, you know, kind of flip-flopped, um, just to get those opportunities. I think that this, this coaching staff is going to try and shore up all those deficiencies and, and guys like these are, they're going to fill those gaps. You know, it might not be ideal, but I mean, look how good Lugo was. He was a starter and you know, Hey, you might be a better fit in the bullpen. And lo and behold, he's like one of the 10 most valuable relievers in baseball. So, you know, um, having that versatility, I think is just going to be such a strength. Uh, Jeremy Hefner spoke a little bit on Sunday. Um, Great press conference. I know I'm very new to this whole Zoom press conference thing. This is only like my second week doing it, but uh, the, the the confidence in his leadership just from watching him over a screen, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think there's um there's there are guys who know the game and there are guys who have played the game and know the game. And I think Jeremy Hefner is the latter in that he's not just that former pitcher that that gets his job just because he played. He's on the cutting edge of a lot of, you know, a lot of this, this, the technological advancements and really how to apply it. And, but Luis Rojas has talked, you know, time and time and time again about how Jeremy Hefner is just such a valuable resource for arm care too, given that he was a guy who, you know, went through two Tommy John surgeries. He knows, you know, the whole deal He's fairly recently in the game. And I think these guys, the pitchers, especially love him. They relate to him and, a lot of things that we heard last year, you know, and still here, but heard last year when he got the job was about how with baseball going to, you know, do you see all these numbers, but it's really about breaking them down and, and really about applying them so that pitchers believe in them, you know, and, and start to be able to find those improvements within them. Um, and I think that's really where he excels is that he, he knows how to apply those things. He knows how to send the guys on the right direction there. So they're not, their heads aren't just getting filled with a bunch of metrics and, you know, they're not being reduced to a metric, but instead he's, you know, showing them that he's helping them, you know, extend their careers, maximize their potential. Yeah. almost almost like, you know, he has that relatability to a major league pitcher that, you know, like he, I guess he was talking about it today um, with Trevor May. He's like, you know, him and Trevor, they had a good relationship in Minnesota. Um, They were apart for a year and now kind of reconnecting. It's, um, you know, kind of matching up notes, seeing where he's at now. And, you know, he's got the, I guess, the mental and baseball acuity to to be able to convey the information to, I guess, on a very specific basis on a, on a pitcher to pitcher, you know, kind of, I guess, basis for the lack of a lack of redundancy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, very impressive. Um I'm curious. I do love that he's, you know, I guess someone asked a question about Noah today. Uh, is he going to face live batters? Nope. He's got many steps to go before doing that. Like just no nonsense. Um, like you were saying, he's a guy who had Tommy John. I thought it was really cool. Um, this is something that I, I didn't know. I'm sure we could have put two and two together, but um, when he was undergoing uh, rehabbing from Tommy John, when he was a player, he was doing that with Matt Harvey. Which, again, thinking back, yeah, that's probably on the right timeline. But uh, I, I just never put two and two together. But like you were saying, having that um, experience and just that level of caution, um, it's, it's, it's going to be a plus. Uh, again, 
we can go on for hours talking about positives, man. They really, it's been all positives. Francisco Lindor working with JD Davis this morning. Like that's a, a huge positive. That's what you want to see. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, it's almost tough because like in, in covering the team, you try to be objective and there are things that, but, but in that <laughs> it seems to be all optimisms and positives. Now, are there things that could go right? Yes. But I look at this roster, I look at this team as a whole, and, and even the coaching staff, and I don't really I don't really see this glaring deficiency like we have in the past with this team and this organization. And I mean, maybe, maybe it's the outfield defense. Like if, if Nimmo doesn't improve or and because Dom has to play in left, assuming he doesn't improve, which you know, he might improve, but those guys more experience usually leads, you know, to, to some level of improvement when they're that age. But mm-hmm. I really don't see maybe, you know, the bullpen if, if things don't go well, but it's like, I don't see this huge glaring deficiency that you look on it. You look at it on day one of camp and you just say, man, this is going to be really tough. And I think Kevin Pilar said it best um, yesterday when he said, I think he was talking about the postseason, and it's like everybody has these goals. Like every every team sets out on report date and says, let's win a World Series, you know, let's do X, Y, and Z. But he said, like, honestly, you look around the clubhouse on some teams you're on and you look around and say, you know, this is going to be pretty tough to achieve this. Mm-hmm. And that's not the way <laughs> that's not the way it is here with this team. I mean, they've got talent from the, a lineup that should score a lot of runs to a rotation that shouldn't allow a lot of runs. The bullpen looks good, you know, especially if you have guys like Edwin Diaz keeping the form he had in 2020, Jerry's Familia building off of, you know, that bounce back 2020. Um, Dellen Patanza is coming back to form. There's a lot of positives with this team. I don't see a very glaring negative. Like I said, there are things that always go awry, unforeseen circumstances, injuries, things like that. But from, you know, a time of, if you're a Mets fan right now, I mean, I don't know when the, you know, when it was the last time it was this, this optimi- this much optimism, just because the roster is complete and not only is it complete and talented, but it's deep and they are trying to win and they, you know, expanded their R and D department and analytics and they restructured their player development department. They have new hires. Like they're, they are doing things in a new way now and they have the talent, you know, to go with that. Um, so no, I, I totally agree with you. You look at this team and it's, it's tough to, it's tough to point out many concerns. Are there questions they still have to answer? Yes. But concerns look like, you know, you've got, you've got teams like the pirates um, playing, you know, spring training in Florida. You look at the Mets versus a team like they are just so much further ahead of, of a lot of these teams that that in itself should be a positive for a lot of fans. Oh, and I think it is. I mean, just even from a, from a fan perspective, it's, you know, this place is over the moon. Like worst case scenario, we're going to be in the hunt. We won't be running away with, uh, with the division. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what I'm hearing. And it's, 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 you know, it's exciting from the fans perspective, but even just from a, from an operations standpoint, um, like you were saying, there's not a lot of question marks. I think the bullpen is probably the biggest one um, just to kind of echo what you were saying. I mean, Right. Yeah. I mean, if guys pitch up to their capability, the Patantes and the Familias and, the, you know, if these guys reach their potential, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a lights out bullpen. But, you know, that's definitely not set in stone at this point. So, you, you know, there's a give and take and there's a lot of progress, but I'm certainly enjoying the energy that's coming out of these uh, uh, so far. The players have been, you know, 
energetic. I, uh, Albert Almora, like, didn't want to stop speaking to the press today. He's like, oh, it's over. OK, I'll talk to you guys next time. Like, it just you don't you know, again, it, it's a, it's an energy that, you know, just from a Mets fan's perspective, we don't see this. <laughs> we don't see this at all. Like, I think um, Cookie Carrasco, uh, I think people I, I, I'm not sure that they fully grasp just how consistent and good he's going to be. Um, Noah, I know Hefner said that, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit and, you know, he's taking his time, but I, I think most of us are expecting big things from him. Like, you know, if the pieces all fall into place, this is going to be a very exciting season. Right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's scary for opponents when you look at, you know, you've already got a top three of Jacob deGrom, Carlos Carrasco and Marcus Stroman, or you could put Stroman, however they order it. Um, oh yeah. It doesn't even matter gonna, at this point. Right. And then you're going to add, Noah Syndergaard to the mix, um, especially, you know, with them being cautious with him, he's going to be back fully healthy. You're going to add him to the mix. Um, and it's like, that's, that's one heck of a heck of a top four. If, uh, if, if Marcus Stroman is your number four or somebody like, you know, somebody like that's your number four, it's uh, you know, it's a very good rotation, but yeah, I think the obvious main concern is, is the bullpen, right? Because you could, you could look at it on paper and you could project out like, okay, you know, maybe Diaz doesn't have as good of a year, but Tantas never returns to his Yankees form. Um, Familia just, you know, in the last year of that deal, like just kind of goes downhill. So you could, you could definitely, and even then they've got some depth there that, that could be used, but you could project it out to where that could be a weakness, but they've got talent there in that bullpen, which I think is these days and, you know, in baseball and modern day baseball, especially is more than a lot of teams can say bullpens are just volatile. They're unpredictable. That's, that's kind of the nature of what the game has become um, for better or worse, whether that's a fair assessment or unfair assessment, but this team is strong where you want to be strong. I mean, I think I, I like the McCann signing personally, they're much stronger up the middle with him and the Lindor. Um, you know, I'm really not sold on getting <laughs> getting rid of Brandon Nimmo or just labeling him this early. I mean, I think he can improve and he's much better than the fourth outfielder that some people, you know, make him out to be. But um, like, I don't, yeah. Like I don't see a major glaring hole. Like, yeah, they could have signed George Springer. Like they ah. could have gotten Trevor Bauer, which, okay. Well, like, you know, whatever, like whatever people feel about, they could have done these things, but the team on paper <laughs> is the best it's been in years. And I think, I think, for, I think a lot of fans realize that um, and are grateful for that. Cause you're seeing the reaction come out. And it's good that they realize that. Cause it's like one life is too short to life is way too short to nitpick a roster like this. Like this is yeah. a very good roster. Oh, for sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The, the Nimmo is a fourth outfielder crowd certainly gets to me. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. yeah, that that one's tough to tough to swallow. I mean, it's um, man, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I, I can't imagine I can't imagine notching an OBP like that over my career and being called a fourth outfielder. I, I just it, bewildering. It, it just it blows my mind. But um, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's 
the excitement, the, the talent. It's funny. Um, it's almost like a perfect storm of the development of this core. They've all been getting better and, you know, they've had their hiccups and you could pretty much say that about everyone up and down the roster. Who's part of this Mets team that's been here mostly and except for Lindor and McCann, it's pretty much, you know, one through seven. So, um, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but boy, Nimmo Conforto, if Alonzo is, uh, is right back to his 2019 self, which if you look at him towards the end of last year, he was certainly getting there. Um, You know, if Davis returns, I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's all kind of, you know, striking while the iron is hot and, you know, striking seven or eight different times. And it's, it's impressive. I mean, we saw Lindor working out um, the kids in camp, the young prospects, they've been working out with, you know, their, I guess, veteran counterparts, uh, Matthew Allen and Jacob DeGrom, Carl Armstrong and Conforto. It's just, it's that sustainable success and we're kind of watching it take place. And it's just, it's for a fan and for a lifetime fan, it's the coolest feeling in the world. And we haven't even started yet. It's, it's, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. You talked about, I think you mentioned it, but just kind of, you referred to that window and that's always the thing, especially with baseball, with the way things are structured and the arbitration and then to free agency. It's always like that window because so many organizations aren't willing to pay their their best players. And so it's like you set out this window like we saw it for the Cubs, you know, like we saw it even for the Astros. Now it's like seems to be closing a little for them. It's closed for the Cubs. But it's like you look at that window and you say, especially if they lock up, you know, Lindor and Conforto, or even just Lindor. Uh, this is going to be a very talented team because not only do they have the advantage of veteran talent in Lindor, even though he's still young, but you know, he's has experience and, and a guy like Jacob Grom, you know, Noah Syndergaard, Marcus, Marcus Stroman, Carrasco, but they've got the young pieces too. And the controllable pieces and, you know, Pete Alonzo, Dom Smith, JD Davis, Jeff McNeil. And so they really, they were really fortuitous um, on that point. It just goes to show like, with a little bit of, of muscle on the trade market and in free agency. I mean, this was a roster that was ready to compete and that has now just absolutely taken the next step. And, you know, we can, we can, you know, we can go on all day about like whether arbitration is fair, like what the system should be. <laughs> but for now it's like, they're getting some of their best players or their cheapest players. And yeah. so like they, they have found a way to, you know, I think Sandy Aldis and Steve Cohen saw it, you know, when Steve Cohen took over, it's like that roster was ready to contend with a couple more pieces. And now, you know, they had the controllable pieces of their core. That was most of their position player core was the younger guys. And now it's like, they've added these pieces and it's, um, yeah, their window, you know, it, this is like you mentioned, this is how you build a sustained winner. And I think that's what it's about. When you look at a team like the Dodgers or even, even the Yankees, you know, like teams who were always there, it's like you need to have some sort of structure there from R&D to player development to scouting. And it's just, you know, to up to the major league team, up to being able to willing to win. And I think, you know, if I were a fan, that would be the most not only impressive, but the um, the most encouraging thing about this all is that throughout it, they have had a willingness to win. They have not spent like drunken sailors, you know, they missed out on top free agents, but they have – they have tried to improve this roster and God in a winter when not a lot of teams did. I mean, that in itself should be, um, should be commendable. Yeah. And even like the whole missed out on big free agents, you know, I'm not even a subscriber to that. I I think, you know, and I know that, yeah, they made a sizable offer to both Springer and Bauer, um, uh, you know, reportedly made the largest offer to Bauer, but, um, or or however it worked out. Uh, But, you know, these are guys that, 
at least, you know, in my outside looking in opinion, the Mets didn't need a Springer. Sure, him in center field for two years would have been nice, but what about those last four years when he might not be a center fielder anymore? And right. what about Bauer, who, you know, yeah, you're paying him 40 and $45 million a year. You know, what if he's a 3.75 ERA pitcher again? Like, you know, this it, it's not quite missing out. And, um, I, I'm you know, to be a fly on the wall during those two weeks of, of I guess, respective two weeks of uh, internal discussions um yeah that would be uh, an experience because that had to be some uh some high uh, high drama discussions right yeah i i think at the at the beginning of the offseason it's funny because when you looked at it i said on like a few podcasts that i thought trevor bauer was the most important for them because if they could lock up uh, a guy like that you know i know i get it like he's a little overrated for like the money that he's getting I mean, a lot overrated for the monies. You can, uh, you know, we can, we can say that for days, but it's but, like, but you know what? To his credit, he caught lightning in a bottle this offseason. Right, exactly, and the situation worked out. So, anyways, I, I thought he was the best fit for them because I say, you know, what's the what's the road to a title? And usually, it's best pitching, best defense. And I was like, okay, if you can line up Degrom, Bauer, and Stroman in a in a you know a five game series or whatever, you know, in the start of seven game series, whatever you want to say then they're going to have a chance to win. But once they acquired Lindor and Carrasco, I mean, for me, it flipped. You know, I thought Springer would have been good. But even then, I mean, I think Nimmo is very good. I mean, you've got to find a spot for Dom. I think it's just a lot of fans just see, I think, just see the talent factor. Like it's a like it's an overall rating and MLB the show or something like that. <laughs> and it's just like it doesn't work like that. It's not that easy. And like, I don't. The thing I the thing I will agree with fans with some fans on is that if they were making that kind of offer to Bauer, then they should have upped their Springer offer to try to outbid Toronto. Like I, I think that's a fair point, but they're two different cases, and I I don't think the Mets really truly needed either of them. Sure, one of them might have taken this roster even further over the top, but it's like this is a very sizable step from from 2019 that they're taking <laughs> 2020 that they're taking. Um, God, it's almost like 2020 exists, but this is a very sizable step that they <laughs> took and, and the start of something that seems like it could be great. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Just you could feel it. And um, speaking of excitement and energy, we're going to cap it off. Mr. C, Mr. Cohen is uh, is in camp. Is that energy palpable or what? Yeah, he no, he yeah, he came. Um, he's been here. Uh, I think he plans to be there, you know, most weekends. Um, and, he, you know, he and his wife were there and that. Yeah, he, he's checking out the team, checking out, you know, how things are going, making sure, you know, it's still there, things like that. Um, <laughs> but no, he's been hanging out on the top deck with, you know, Sandy Alderson and a couple others. That, yeah, he seems to be having a great time. I mean, it's, um, you know, you saw the pictures of, I'm sure everybody saw the pictures of him, you know, talking to Lindor, talking to Conforto, um, you know, talking to some of the other guys. It's, I think, you know, I, you know I'm not sure like what, all these, you know, players throughout, you know, we've heard stories about the Wilpons and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could say, you know, they talk to people too, but it does seem like Cohen has taken an interest and a passion and, and not only the organization itself, you know, and he's got to worry about the bottom line, but he's taken a, an interest in the people. In it. And I think that's very encouraging. Yeah. Oh, and just a complete 180. I mean, you know, we can all, we all have our, Wilpon stories and you can ask anyone in the fan base and they'll tell you, but you know, so I, I bumped into Jeff Wilpon at fan fest last year and I, it was my first credentialed event and I had my name tag on and he looked down and he saw it and he gave me a little smile and just kind of walked away. And, you know, we were, we were very vocal 
And again, we were just fans of the block. So, you know, we're going to we're going to be vocal. But, um, you know, to his he could have threw me out on the spot. He didn't. So credit to him. But yeah, it's a, it's a completely different um, energy, even from just from from the outside, from the fan perspective. It's a, a it's a whole new world. I hope, you know, I hope Disney doesn't uh, doesn't hit me for the tra- for the trademark there. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's good <laughs> to be going in the right spot. Like I said, not only with the talent, but the infrastructure. And, you know, I know there's new jobs up for the R&D department now um, and, you know, that that have been posted and um, just everything that they've done, I think, has been to try to be more sustainable. And I think that's that's the way you have to do it in a sport like baseball. Cause like basketball, look, you get LeBron James and Anthony Davis and you're in the finals pretty much every year, but it's like baseball. You need a, you need more of a consistent process. I think that allows you to not only draft, but you know, to scout the, the major league level trades free agency. And I think um, a lot of that is, you know, through R and D through player development. I think um, I really think they're on the right track and um to end not by boring people with all this R and D and player development stuff, but the roster itself, man, like looks, yeah, this is a very good roster. I mean, I think the Dodgers are still ahead of, of the Padres and the Mets and, and anyone else in the NL, but it's, it's not by much like the NL. I think a few teams in the NL have really tried to, to close that gap. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a really, really, really fun year. Here's the hope and fans can be there. Oh, my goodness. I was watching a little bit of the Yankees today on TV and just hearing the fans was very, very cool. Been watching the Knicks all week and that's been awesome with fans in the stands. It just it just brings such a good element. It's like it feels so it feels like just so not real, I guess. Or, you know, I I don't even want to say surreal because that's almost got a good connotation. But like (laughs) in the worst way, it feels not real when the fans aren't there. And it's just like it's like a high school baseball game. Couldn't imagine just, uh, you know, these professionals have to have to kind of switch gears like that into playing to an empty stadium or an empty arena. And this is athletes across the board. Just very strange. Right. Yeah. Hopefully by October, it's max capacity. Oh, my goodness. Imagine. Oh, and imagine the Mets are there. My God, Justin Flushing is going to be in burning. It's just going to be, you know. People sell. Oh, my goodness. It's it's going to be. I'm just thinking about it now. You know, when they get you know, even some fans, I mean, those, it's going to be a lot of fun. Those August, September, you know, battles against the Braves and national. I mean, the, the division is stacking up to be very, even the Phillies. I mean, I thought they were on track to have a, just a disaster of an off season, but I actually don't think they did. They did that bad this off season. And so it's a, it's a pretty stacked division, man. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun to see these guys go at it. It's, I don't even think the Marlins are going to be pushovers. I really don't. I think that no. that's a nice young team. I think Monty Harrison is going to be a player. He's a uh, young rookie coming up for him this year. And uh, yeah, uh, it, again, you know, it's, so, it's such a big, it's such an important part of a successful season. It's kind of beating up our inferior competition and you're playing a division or division members 20 times a year or almost. Um and you have no guys to really walk over in this division. It's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a dogfight. It's it really is. Oh yeah, no, it's um, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever comes out of the NL Central just gets absolutely demoralized, and you know, in the in the first you know like for, first round on in October, just because the this is the NL West is going to be very good too, and and the NL East is going to be just a rock fight, like you said, the Marlins. 
they play a brand of baseball that a lot of teams just are not equipped to play against because they force you to be good fundamentally. They force you to make quick, smart decisions. Like they're fast. They will bunt, you know, they will hit it on the ground. Like they're very much kind of old school in that and using their strengths and their athleticism. And um, like Luis Rojas has talked about it, you know, a ton over the last year, but it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of talent in this NL East from, you know, Lindor to Rio Muto to Soto and, and on and on and on Acuna, you know, and it's just, um, this is, I think without a doubt, the best division in baseball. And that's, that's just my opinion, but. Yeah. Oh no, it's, you know, and it, it's, it's kind of tough to argue with that. It really is. And, and out of the central, I do think the Cardinals have a very, very nice team. Um, I think young guys like Harrison Bader, I think he's going to have a nice year. I think Tommy Edmonds going to have a really nice year. Uh, I think Jack Flaherty is going to be up there in the Cy Young contention. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough, a very tough team. But, you know, that's why I guess that's why they play 162, right? We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. It's yeah, there's always look, nobody it never happens with what's on paper. There's always <laughs> different circumstances. You know, you hope everybody stays healthy, but that's just not the way it is over 162. So it's, uh, things are, things are going to be changing and it's, um, yeah, it's going to be a wild ride. I can't wait. Justin, I, I only asked you for 20 minutes. I think we got a solid 40 out of this. This has been awesome, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's always, always a blast. Always happy to do it. And uh, glad you're doing well. Thank you so much, man. Same to you. Um, you know, everybody check out, uh, Justin's work in the record um, over on Twitter. I have you right here. I just wrote, I wrote down the handle. Here it is. Justin C. Toscano. It's at Justin C. Toscano. Uh, we, what do you got cooking over there? You got anything going on uh, as far as features or just kind of rolling with the punches? A little, I've got a couple things planned, but yeah, uh, but yeah so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing something on, on the uh, DeGrom Allen workouts at Stetson. I talked to somebody over at Stetson. So that'll be nice. out in the next couple of days. Um, and then I've got, I've got some other stuff. So yeah, stay tuned. Awesome, man. Awesome. And um, you were speaking with uh, Stroman's coaches at Duke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was a great story. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That was one that came together just simply because I wanted to get a little something different than because everybody gets the same quotes on the zoom. And so I figured yeah. I would just try to get something. And he actually was, you know, he was very good. It just came together. Yeah. Pretty quickly, but it was, it was interesting to hear about that because I do think that there's a lot of people who are very turned off by the, uh, the idea of like a Marcus Stroman type player in person, but Hey man, if he's authentic to himself and I think, um, you know, that's who he actually is according to his coach. I think it's, uh, it's just interesting to hear a different perspective on a, on a guy like that from somebody who actually knows him and not people who are kind of criticizing from afar. Yeah, really just a very cool. And, you know, I know he has his detractors, but, you know, that's just Marcus Stroman. He's just, you know, just follow him on Twitter. He's one of the more positive people you'll ever come across. And, uh, you know, reading the article, you just kind of get like affirmation of that. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's legit. It was just very, uh, very good story. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. All right. Well, Justin, um, good luck in camp. Great luck. Good luck this season. I'm sure we're going to have you back on, you know, throughout the year, but uh, really looking forward to your coverage, man. Heck yeah, man. Thank you so much. Looking forward to being on again. Take care. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. See you.